welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm very happy you're with us today. We are all on our own individual life voyage, and it can be a beautiful voyage if we just will make the most of what, whatever hand we've been dealt. As we're now realizing, each of us fundamentally lives in a spiritual reality, and as our longtime listeners now know, the original purpose of Seek Reality was <laughs> just that, to seek reality. We're trying to understand what really is going on? And that's always been true. But even as recently as 10 years ago, we were only beginning to understand that neither mainstream science nor mainstream religions really had anything about what was going on. We're just coming now to understand for the first time in human history what actually happens at and after death and how life fits together, that life fits together with this life. And sometimes we don't realize what's true, which is that for the first time in, re- in history, in all of history, it's actually possible to understand how they fit together and what actually is going on. So much more knowledge now is flowing to us over just the past few years than ever, ever has been coming to us before. We can't find our deepest answers in traditional religions and even in ancient traditions, but more and more people now are coming to understand that distilling the old way and approaching them in brand new ways sometimes yields wonderful results. Lately, I've been trying to share with you some of what I think are the most interesting current thinkers who are putting together some of those great new realities, people who are reinventing patterns of living, patterns of thinking in ways that help us to ever better understand ourselves. And our guest today, for the second time, is one such wonderful young thought leader. Coop Blackson has been a public speaker since he was eight years old, believe it or not. Coop was born in Ghana, West Africa, to a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father. He's an inspirational speaker who teaches authentic leadership and empowerment. Coop received the 2019 Walden Award in the New Thought Wisdom category that the Unity Organization awards once a year to recognize social consciousness leaders who are making the world a better place. He says that his mission is simple. He wants to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Coot, I'm so, so happy to have you back with us today. Thanks for having me back. Please tell everyone how your parents met, because I think this is a fabulous story and a wonderful example of what you teach. Wow, how my parents met. Um... You know, my father's from Ghana, West Africa, and my mother is Japanese, and I grew up in London. And so how that came about was when my father was, um, my father was basically born in the middle of nowhere in a tiny town 
without electricity on a concrete floor in Ghana, West Africa, outside of the capital, five hours. And so if you imagine that in the mid-30s, that's when he was born, with no electricity and little technology. And at that time, I think Ghana was a fourth, fifth world country, so to speak. At the age of seven or eight, he would have these visions of a Japanese spiritual teacher, these visions of a Japanese guru. And if you could just imagine that this Japanese guru, a kind of Yogananda version, but a Japanese version of Yogananda, this Japanese guru would teach my father about life and the cosmos and the mysteries and the nature of reality would come to my father in his dreams and teach him all about this stuff. And so uh, when my father was 15, he he had this religious spiritual conversion where he kind of gave his life to God and became a Christian. And he basically started healing people, blind people seeing and deaf people hearing at the age of 15, 16. By the time he he was 18, he started a whole bunch of churches over the course of the next decades, 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, um, became an icon, a miracle man. He was considered the miracle man of Africa, the the spiritual teacher and guide to presidents and kings. And so very esteemed man. People would literally pick up the sand that my father walked on and wipe it on their face and they would stand up and claim miracles. And this was the kind of man my father was, very powerful spiritual being. And so my father got married to his first wife, had three children. When my father was 36, 37, his first wife passed away. And so he was a single man, a single father, raising his kids, living his purpose, you know, uh, inspiring his congregation. And when he was 37 years old in Ghana, West Africa, this was in the mid 70s. He was in a store. A book fell off the shelf and he looks at the book. He picks up the book. He looks at the back of the book and on the back of the book, he sees the face of this Japanese man. He sees the face of this Japanese man who has been coming to him in his dreams since he was age eight. And he couldn't believe that this guy was real. So he was so shocked. He writes to this man and he says, you've been coming to me in my dreams since I was eight. I didn't know you were real. And this was before the internet, before email. This man, his name was Masaharu Taniguchi. He's Googleable. I mean, he's, he's passed away now, but was a legend. Millions of followers in, in, in Japan. And uh, he writes to my father and he, he said, he's very curious. He sends his son-in-law to meet my father, basically his son to meet my father in Ghana, West Africa. The man flies to Ghana, meets my father, is so impressed. The son-in-law invites my father to go to Japan on a lecture tour with the guru in a stadium lecture tour with the spiritual teacher. My father accepts. My father says to the son-in-law, look, I'm also looking for a wife. So please pray for me. Pray for me to find my new wife, my soulmate. The man says, yes. The son-in-law goes back to Japan. He gives a lecture tour in in Japan and he announces to the congregation, uh, this miracle man is coming from Africa to meet the guru and he's going on a lecture tour with the guru. So here are the dates. So buy your tickets. My mother is, uh, you know, she grew up in this Japanese spiritual organization. And so the deal is this Japanese guru 
who was coming to my father in his dreams was my mother's teacher, spiritual teacher, her parents. This was their spiritual teacher. She grew up meditating. And so my mother was in the audience and she's 28 at the time, 29 maybe. And she's never been married. You know, in Japan, if you're not married by the age of 23, 24, 25 at the latest, you're considered old, especially at that time. And so she's an old maid, 28, 29, not married. And she says a prayer to, to, to God. Her prayer to God was, God, I will marry anyone you tell me to marry. I will marry anyone you tell me to marry. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who it's not. I don't care what he looks like. I really don't care. Just make it clear to me that this man, whoever it is, is my soulmate. Basically, her prayer is, I surrender completely. I completely yeah. surrender. And that was a prayer. And so she's in the audience and she's listening to this son-in-law of the guru talk about my father and the lecture tour. And she feels chills in her body. She says she feels this knowing that this is my husband. She knows in her soul. She just senses it. She feels it. So she, she gets my father's address. She writes to my father. Nothing romantic, by the way. Now, bear in mind, my father doesn't speak Japanese. Bear in mind, my mother doesn't speak English. My mother's never seen a foreign person, a white person, let alone a black person. And my father, you know, they, they can't even communicate completely opposite cultures. And so here, my mother writes to my father, nothing romantic, you know, Japanese style, very conservative. All she says is, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you speak in Japan with the teacher. And my father was meditating. He was in London in transit for a couple of months on his way to Japan. My father is in transit. He's in He's in uh, London and he's meditating. In his meditation, he feels this intuition. Your wife is going to come to you tomorrow. And in his meditation, the next day he goes to his mailbox, there's a letter from Japan. He says, before he opens it, this is my wife. I feel it. I don't know who this is, but this is my wife. And he opens the envelope and sure enough, it's a letter from my mother. Again, nothing romantic. So he writes back to this woman. He hasn't seen a picture of her. He hasn't, doesn't even know what she looks like. She could be completely out of her mind, right? And he writes to her and he says, would you be open to moving to Ghana? <laughs> now she writes back through the translation of her sister and says, if it's God's will, I will move. He writes back and says, yes, it's God's will. Marry me. They agreed to get married, sight unseen. They haven't even had a conversation. The soul agreement is there. They both feel that soul agreement. And he goes to Japan, goes on a lecture tour. Before his lecture tour, he meets my mother for the first time with chaperones because it's old school Japan. They meet in a park. They agree basically kind of through sign language to get married, trusting and surrendering to the calling of their soul. Now, my father goes on this lecture tour for about four to six weeks and he doesn't have money by Japanese standards. And so, you know, in Japan, especially in the mid seventies, you can't just marry a Japanese woman and not throw a ceremony and not, not do a, uh, uh, a, a kimono and food. It's just to honor the family, oh, you know, a wedding ceremony. So my father doesn't have the money by Japanese standards <laughs> because Japan is very, very expensive. In Africa, you know, you don't need very much. And so he, again, he's, he just hears this voice that says, trust, trust the universe, just, just relax and trust, just chill. And so he goes on his lecture tour. He doesn't tell anyone he doesn't have the money. They start planning the wedding. He has no money, but they're planning the wedding. He's moving forward in full faith. You know, he has his tuxedo already, but he's wondering how am I going to pay for this wedding? And at the end of his lecture tour, he goes to his mailbox. And this is in the 70s. Okay, so there is an envelope, anonymous, no name. $7,000 in US cash. And all it says is a note. This is for your wedding. 
no name, didn't tell anyone. Oh, he, he had no idea who donated this money to him. Nobody even knew he needed money. And he was able to do a ceremony, marry my mother, went on a honeymoon afterwards. They couldn't even speak. They couldn't even speak the next day. They couldn't even communicate, you know, uh, after they got married. And that, that was how they met, you know, a, 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 a story, story of complete, I have to tell you. complete surrender, complete trust. And I think it just goes to show, like, when you follow your soul, you really don't know what's going to happen. When you follow your soul, I think many times when we surrender, we think that we're going to get less. We think that we won't manifest our gold dreams and desires. But often when we surrender, we get more than we can imagine because when we truly surrender we step outside of ourselves when we truly surrender we step outside of our mind we step outside of our logic we step outside of our mental capacity to imagine our lives and then we step into a zone of miracles and infinite possibilities where life and its infinite intelligence can begin to manifest itself and so that's what happened for them you know they they lived surrender i think your book is beautiful it was so surprising to me because it, it goes against everything that Americans think is important. And yet it was true on a deeper level than Americans think. Uh, it, it's spiritual in a way that Americans don't expect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, re I really mm -hmm. recommend that, especially I hear from so many people Coop, that are, 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 are searching Yes. And what they're looking for is right in front of them and they yes. don't see it. Yes. Yes. Talk about Absolutely. that. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think you're so right. It, 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 the, the concept of surrender seems to go against our Western American culture. And, you know, I've been in America probably for more of my life than I haven't. So to a degree, I'm, I'm American. And, and so we are just conditioned in the West to, 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 to make life happen, to strive, to, yes, to control force, it all the time. To control, and, that's what kills it. and control is the master addiction. And so there's this idea that it's actually a misconception in our culture that if you surrender, that surrender means giving up, that surrender means waving the white flag, that surrender means weakness, that if you surrender, you're weak, you're going to be taken advantage of, you're going to be a victim, you're going to be a doormat, that you're going to get less. And I'm actually saying no, that to truly surrender, if you understand what the real essence of surrender is, the real significance and real meaning of what surrender is, you won't get less, but you will get more because you're no longer putting limits on life and you're long, no longer limited living inside of the construct of your limited conditioned ego. If you look at the most powerful, great human beings on the planet, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Elon Musk, dare I say it, Oprah, uh, Mother Teresa, Mandela, JFK, you know, Martin Luther King, uh, go down the list, uh, Bob Marley, David Bob. I mean, just we should just rattle off names of great ones. They all at some point had to surrender. And it was in their true surrender to their souls, their true surrender of control, their true surrender of their lives to life itself, that they were able to transcend their own limited human capacity, their own ego's capacity to manifest their life. And then they tapped into another dimension of potential, the potential of life that was able to express through them and live through them and move through them and create through them in ways that they could not have imagined the access 
a zone of miracles. And so, you know, the old path, so, so just to be clear, surrender is to let go of control, or I should say the illusion of control, the illusion of control that we think that we have, the illusion of control, because control is a master addiction. And we think that we're really in control, but we're not. And I think if the last two years showed us anything, it's been showing us we're not as in control as we thought or as we think. Um, so, so it's letting go of this illusion of control. Surrender is letting go of trying to force and push and manipulate life to fit into our limited idea of how we think it should be. Surrender is when we give up the idea of trying to of this idea of who we think we should be and how we think our life should be so that we can truly just open and be available to the life that is seeking to express through us. And so the old paradigm, the Western paradigm, the old paradigm, the patriarchal paradigm, the ego-based model of creating the world is all about asking, know what you want, you want, what do you want? You, you, it's based on the I, the identity. Know what you want, but we don't ask the question who is the I because you might get we might get and we've all had this experience we might get what we thought we wanted only to realize that we th- what we thought we wanted is not what we really wanted what we thought we wanted is just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were but if we weren't really in touch with who we truly are then what we think we want and the goals that we set is just going to be an illusion it's often the goals that we set will often be a projection of unmet needs, a projection of unmet needs from childhood that we think if I can just get that fame and win yeah, the Oscar, and achieve, then yes, I'm going to. Exactly. And so, so, so the old paradigm is all about ego-based. And, and let me be clear and be fair. You can manifest and create life based on that paradigm. You can, but you will often end up living a limited life. You'll yes. often end up getting attached to the goal that you think is the goal. You look at Nelson Mandela, the kind of life that Nelson Mandela lived, 26 years in prison, then he came out and became one of the most iconic figures in history of humanity. You can't plan that kind of life. It transcended no. him. It transcended his capacity. So the question that I'm really inviting people in a new paradigm, and I think the last two years, spiritually uh, speaking, ever evolutionarily speaking, has been an initiation for us as a species, an initiation for us as a humanity to grow, to evolve into a new relationship with life, into a new relationship with ourselves, into a new relationship with nature and the universe, into a new way of living and functioning. And I think that's part of the magic because we've been initiated into surrender. We are being forced to let go of control, forced to let go of all those places that we have held onto for a sense of identity, held onto for a sense of control. And we've been forced to go inside to that deeper dimension. We've been forced to surrender. And so the question that I think we have to start learning to ask as a culture is not what do I want, but what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express through me? What is it that this infinite intelligence that is my being is, what is my soul seeking to express? What is the deepest impulse of life that is seeking to manifest through me? And then for us to feel that, to attune to that, to be obedient to that, to align ourselves with that, to align our thinking, our feelings, our thoughts, our visualizations, our actions, our resources, our strategy with the deepest, most authentic impulse of life, And then we are working in harmony with life. We are working in harmony with the universe. To me, that is when grace happens. That is when magic happens. And so 
We all want magic. And the reason I call the book The Magic of Surrender is magic is that which is beyond our mental capacity, limited capacity to imagine our lives. And we all want magic, but we don't want to surrender. We want to hold on to the old. We want to hold on to who we've been. We want to hold on to those old relationships, the toxic relationship, that old way of being. But it doesn't work that way. The equation is, if you want magic, you must surrender. And the degree to which you surrender is, is the degree of magic that you'll experience. And so the next level of our life requires the next level of us. And the next level of us will require that you release and that you let go of everything and everyone that is no longer aligned. When you let go, that creates space. Holding on to that which is no longer aligned just blocks your blessing. And, and I, you're, <laughs> frankly, I'm, I have all these notes that I copied out of your book because mm. there are so many things that I wanted to remember. Surrender is the most powerful thing you can do. That's a direct quote yes. from your book. Yes. And, and, and now is the most important moment. And now, and now, and now. You keep mm-hmm. thinking the most important moment is upcoming, but mm. it's not. It's right now. And yes. now, and now, and yes, it's true. You can't predict them. Yes. I mean, you mentioned Dr. King. Oh, by the way, everybody, mark these words. The, the most important <laughs> American of the 20th century is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That's more wow. and more certain every minute that passes. Wow. And you will, you'll read that in your history books a hundred years from now. But anyway, <laughs> Dr. King is, is minding his own, is a very young man preaching in a church mm. and they come running in and they say, Dr. King, they have just bombed your house with your wife and your mm. child inside mm. the house. He goes mm. running back to the house and it was on the porch. His family is fine. His wife and his little child in the house. They're okay. He comes out to the porch. There are people all around the house with weapons in their hands. That's mm. his moment. What does he do? He tells them to put down their weapons and go home. He, and that is his moment. He, he doesn't even know that that is his moment. That is the moment he has to choose, and he instantly chooses peace. There's no point in telling them to go fight. He yes. tells them now is his, their moment to go home, and, and, and that was his when he chooses peace. And forevermore, mm. he chooses peace. That's mm. when he comes great. He doesn't even know it at the time. That's surrender. Yep. That is when he surrenders. Yes. And and we can see that only now, but he chooses that moment for peace and and surrender. We can see it only now, but he chooses it then. Mm. You Mm. see that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right, Kud. You're absolutely right. That's the only thing he could have done, but he didn't know it then. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's when he became great, right at that moment. Mm. I just think this book is great. I think everybody should read it. (laughs) Thank you. It's so easy for us to think action is the right thing. When I think public action is never the right thing. Look, I just want to be clear that surrender doesn't mean not taking action. And and this is a misconception that people have. Surrender doesn't mean sitting there and doing nothing. And sometimes people think, oh, if I surrender, just I just sit there and do nothing and just wait and sit and sit and sit and do nothing. You're right. Dr. King had to act, but the action had to be 
Surrender doesn't mean passivity necessarily. It means once you have caught the vision of your soul, once you have aligned yourself with the deeper truth of your being, once you have connected with what you're being guided to do, once you feel the deepest impulse and now you are aligned with that and you, and you feel that, then you move into action. But now your action is aligned with your soul. Your action is aligned with truth. Your action is aligned with something deeper. To me, this is the difference. And so, you know, when we don't take action, and we don't, and a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to go with the flow and I'm not taking action. Sometimes that, that's, not, that's not surrender. That's just laziness. Sometimes not taking action is actually resistance. And so there is a time to act and a time not to act. And the difference is when we just act out of fear, when we act out of misalignment, when we act because we're afraid of missing out, when we act because we just want to make an outcome happen and what we want to happen happen, even though what we're pushing to make happen isn't really authentic or aligned or true. To me, that is when we're resisting. But when we feel the calling, like, like if you really surrender, like Martin Luther King, like Mandela, like Mother Teresa, what your soul may guide you to do, what your soul might nudge you to do, won't always make sense to your conscious mind, won't always make sense to your logic. And so often we talk ourselves out of taking the action because what we're guided to do doesn't make sense. Like, what does this mean? I don't understand. Where's it going to lead? Nah. And before you know it, we've talked ourselves out of that action and we don't do anything. So one of the things that in living surrender that we have to be willing to do is give up the need to constantly know what, what our intuition means. Give up the need to constantly understand. It's the need to constantly understand everything that is another paradigm of control. And so when we give that up and we say, okay, this is my sense. This is my guidance. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm tuning into. And we trust that. And we act on that each time when we act on that deeper impulse and that deeper knowing, even if it doesn't make sense. I always say, you don't need to know what something means. You don't need to know where you're going in order to get to exactly where you, where you need to be. There is an intelligence inside of you that knows, it understands, it's aware, it knows. Follow that. And when we follow that, when you follow your soul, without compromise, without compromise, then you will always end up in the right place. You may, it may not always take you the route that you most expect or on the timeline that you expect, but when you follow your soul, you'll end up in the right place. And certain things may not make sense now, but if you follow your soul truly, authentically, your inner guidance, then even if it doesn't make sense now, many times down the road, three months from now, two months from now, a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, you'll look back and everything that you did will begin to fall into place and you'll begin to understand like, oh, I see. I see why I needed to do that because often the ego and the mind has a limited perspective because it's conditioned. The ego and the mind through which we are identified with is not able to see the entire picture, the whole picture of why we're going through what we're going through, of why something is the way it is, of why a situation is what it is in this moment. And so it's easy to make up false interpretations about why we're going through something from a place of misunderstanding. And so I think when we can truly surrender, we give up the need to know well, what does this mean and where's, where am I going and try to control everything. And we just trust the moment. And here's the difference. In surrender, rather than you pushing life, you allow life to lead you. It's about allowing life to lead you. And life has an intelligence. Life 
has a flow. Life has a rhythm. And life will lead you in a, in a direction that is always for your highest good, even if it doesn't make sense right now. And so surrender doesn't mean not action, not taking action, but it means following your deepest truth without compromise, which might mean like a Mandela or a Gandhi or Mother Teresa or an Elon Musk, it might mean that you work 20 hours a day. It might mean you're nonstop traveling the world on your mission. It might mean, it means whatever it means, but it may not mean you're just sitting there doing nothing. And so sometimes surrender looks like taking action and sometimes surrender looks like being still and waiting, but it means what you're acting in alignment with truth. Now, Often when things don't manifest in your life, we tend to worry, we tend to lose faith. That's when we either feel like a victim, we collapse, we lose faith, we want to give up, or we go into hyper control and we start trying to control the situation and the outcome to make happen what we think should be happening. But the truth is we don't really know what should be happening, but we think it should be happening. So when things don't seem to manifest according to plan is often when we try to to do one of those responses, or we try to make things happen and force things to happen. But what I found is forcing something to be that isn't doesn't make it so. Trying to make some a relationship into something that it isn't doesn't make it so. And so when something doesn't happen or something isn't manifesting, it usually means one of a few things that if we can be aware of, we can then surrender and navigate differently. Number one, when something doesn't manifest according to plan or doesn't manifest, it may mean that the goal that you set for yourself or you, the goal that you think is the goal is really not the most authentic goal that is in alignment with your soul. And so it's the not manifesting is feedback from the universe forcing you to course correct. And rather than forcing, rather than pushing to make it into something, step back, soul search, review, reflect, Deepen your questioning, deepen your inquiry, deepen your motivation and really see what is it that truly my soul wants? What is it that's really in alignment with my soul? And so that's the opportunity when things aren't manifesting. Just deepen your goal, deepen your intention. Number two, sometimes it's just not time yet. Sometimes it's just not season yet, that the, the fruit isn't ripe. And often as egos, as human beings, we just want what we want when we want it, and we want it now. And, you know, if a mango's not ripe, you can eat it, but it won't taste good, so to speak. And so I think it's important that we trust the timing of the universe, the rhythms of nature. We trust divine timing. And so if something is manifesting according to plan or on time, it doesn't mean it won't happen. But we have to surrender to the rhythm of the cycle that there is a reason for that in this moment. And, and if the timing isn't quite aligned, rather than forcing step back, be patient. But in that time of patience, prepare yourself. Educate yourself, sharpen your skills, cultivate your skills, you know, get ready so that when the season changes, you're ready to move into action. You're ready to move into action. Number three, when things don't manifest according to plan on the time, things aren't something to be happening. It might mean that you simply haven't learned the lesson that you need to learn, that your soul needs to learn in this particular situation, in this particular relationship, in this particular moment. You see, as human beings, we are first and foremost souls. And as souls, 
We incarnate into this human experience. We incarnate as souls into this human experience in order to grow, to learn, to evolve. Life is the school for the evolution of our soul. Life is soul school. And as a result, every experience, every relationship, every situation is part of your soul's curriculum. And in, inside of every experience is really an evolutionary learning opportunity for us to grow, learn, and evolve and realize more of who we truly are. And so... If things aren't manifesting, it might mean that you haven't quite learned the lesson you need to learn right here, right now with who you're with. And rather than pushing and forcing, which we tend to do, step back with you and ask yourself, what is the lesson that my soul needs to learn? What is the lesson that my soul hasn't yet learned? What is the lesson and why did I track this situation? And what is the soul lesson? All lessons are repeated until learn them. When we learn the lesson, truly learn the lesson, digest the lesson, integrate the lesson, then we, trans we begin to transcend that experience. And that is the key to unlock the lock to the next level of experience and manifestation. So then rather than pushing and forcing, we surrender to the lesson and learning the lesson, surrender to rolling up our sleeves, doing the work to learn the lesson so that we can transcend that experience and begin to create and attract something different. That's lovely. I, I think that this is a, a very handy handbook book for anybody who wants to make the most of your lifetime. Yes. You're not in control anyway, and you know that. Yes. So surrender, yield, love, like your mother did. And, mm. and you, you have a beautiful story about finally really kind of learning from your mother the power of yielding. You went and took care of her toward the end of her life. And, and learned so much from her even then about how much she had done to take care of you and to raise you and to, to do what, what everything, to sort of give up everything for you. I think we don't take, we are not nearly as aware as we should be of the kind of, of, of life our parents want us to have. They want us to have everything. And, and um, I, that was a very touching part of this book, too. I, I think you learned so much from her at, when you went and took care of her as, as she had taken care of you. That was beautiful. Mm, thank you. Thank you. We're coming toward the end of our, our, our time together, which is amazing to me. This has gone like lightning. What, what do you want to help people most to understand about this wonderful process you lay out for us so beautifully in your book? One thing I would like to just say that I may not have said the last time we spoke, but, you know, there is this idea or the, the, the story that we tell ourselves that, you know, surrender is so hard. Surrender is so challenging. Surrender is so difficult. It's so scary. You know, people, we feel like it's like going to the dentist, right? We, we know we should, but we kind of resist it, right? And, and so what I really want to reframe for people is that surrender is beautiful. Surrender is magnificent. That I actually want to reframe something quite bold and say surrender is easy. Easy. I want people to affirm that surrender is easy. It's so natural. It is effortless. Let me repeat that surrender is easy. It's natural. It's effortless. We keep telling ourselves how hard it is and freaking ourselves out, which then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then we start resisting surrender. But if you really look at it, surrender is the way of life. 
If you really look at it, uh, you know, we're on audio right now, but visually, if you could imagine, I'm making a fist with my hand and inside of my fist, I'm holding a pen and I'm holding this pen very, 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 very tightly, tightly, as tightly as I can, clenching my fist, holding this pen. And it's hard holding this pen. It's really hard. It's starting to even get painful to hold this pen. But you see, the more we hold this pen, the more we cl I clench my fist in this position, the more natural it starts to feel. And through the process of conditioning, I begin to feel that holding this pen and clenching my fist is natural. It starts feeling normal, but it's not. Resisting, what I want people to understand is, Resisting and living a life of resisting everything, not accepting, reliving in resistance is actually what's hard. Surrender. So visually now imagine I just open my hand and drop, drop the pen. Surrender is actually so easy and effortless. It's what's natural. It's just that through fear and childhood and traumas and upbringing and conditioning, we've been conditioned to hold on to ourselves, hold on to identity, hold on to our ego structure, hold on to our defense mechanisms in order to function and survive and to avoid pain and get love and validation. And so we just have lived resisting as a way of reinforcing our identity. But what I want you to just get is, it's actually natural and easy to let go and just be open and be free and live surrender. That surrender is in fact hardwired into your physiology. Every breath, like the universe is reminding you of the nature of surrender. Every breath you take, you breathe in and you breathe out. It's an exhale. That exhale is a reminder of surrender. Universe, the divine reminding you. Surrender is the nature of life. Surrender is the nature of life. Surrender is the nature of life. And so I would invite each person as a practice, take five minutes each day, take 10 minutes each day, or take a minute every hour or a minute every now and again, tune into your body, get into a relationship with your body, scan your body, meditate on your body, feel this breath and life and interaction that is living and breathing. Here. As you've been listening to this conversation, none of us, uh, me, Roberta, anyone listening, you're not sitting here thinking, okay, breathe, 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 breathe. I have to breathe, 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 breathe. make myself breathe, breathe, do some special breathing technique. Breath is just happening in spite of you, in spite of me. It's happening. Yet somehow we forget that breath is happening and there is intelligence breathing us. And there are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions, and trillions of cells interacting inside of us to be able to breathe, to be able to function, to be able to, 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 to see colors and sights and interpret a sound of this conversation. We ate food this morning and there's an intelligence inside of us that knows how to digest that food without our conscious doership or intention. It's happening. There's so tune into your body, feel your body. Marvel, connect with this magnificent intelligence as a reminder that you can trust this intelligence that is breathing you. It's doing it every moment. So to me, every moment of life is kind of proof that we can trust it. Every moment of life is a proof that we can trust it. Life is giving us proof every moment through every breath, through every process. If you look at the sun and the stars and the moon and existence, there's never a day when I haven't seen the sun rise and the moon set. There's an intelligence that functions all in existence. And so take some time in nature. Spend some time in nature. Unplug from the media. Unplug from the TV. Unplug from the news. And just connect in nature because nature starts 
reminding us. We can trust it too, the seasons and the rhythms and the oceans. Like nature shows us every moment, but somehow because we've been, become so technology addicted and, and, and hijacked, our attention has been hijacked, we, we start disconnecting from our bodies, disconnecting from nature, and we forget that we are a part of nature, a part of the rhythm, a part of the cycle of life at the same time. And so to me, it's not about how do we trust life, it's, it's how do we not trust life when so much of life is giving us proof that we can trust it. There is an intelligence. And so connect with your body, spend time in nature, breathe. And the more you trust, even if it's just a little bit more today, even if you follow your intuition and you're nudging a little bit more today, a little bit more, then that connection opens up and more leads to more and leads to more. And to me, surrender is the most powerful thing that you can do. It will lead you beyond what you could imagine for yourself. It will lead you into a zone of manifestation that is unlimited and infinite. Maybe not what you expect, but more than what you expect. And in so many ways as human beings, we don't even know, we don't even realize that we are limiting life without agenda. We are limiting life without attachment to our goals and dreams and visualization and expectation. So all I'm saying is take the limits off of life. Life has been around for billions of years. Life has been around for much longer than you and I have. And see what unfolds. And then you'll get to witness magic in your life. And if you want magic, you have to surrender. There's no way around it. Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, I have, I have suggested to so many people who, who fret to me, about what to do with their lives, and they so much want to do something useful. And I say, just let go and let God. And nobody, everyone is so afraid to do that. But you don't know what big dreams there are for you. And you have such little dreams for yourself, talking, yes. to, talking to listeners. Yes. You, don't, you have no idea what's possible in your life yes. if only you will let go and let the possible become, become realized. Yes. And, yes. and um, you know, just, just God has bigger dreams for you than you can possibly imagine for yourself. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, oh, thank you. You know something? I just wish we, we could just talk on and on. And we're, we've come to the end of our time, but... I, I just, I'm just giving you the biggest possible hug, Coot. I think you're oh, doing such good things for you. the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd love to, to just, you know, let people know about how they can find out about the book, if that's cool. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, just just in, in a nutshell, depending on folks, when you're listening to the conversation, I hope you found tremendous value from this conversation and there's some things you can implement in your life and it's got you thinking on how you can surrender more. Um, if you want to find out more, definitely get the book. The book is a deep dive, step-by-step -step roadmap into surrender. Uh, get the book on Amazon. I invite you to get the paperback. The paperback comes out on May the 3rd, 2022, May the 3rd. So pretty much right now when you're listening or if it's weeks later, it's already out. Get the paperback version because here's why. Uh, depending on when you listen to this, on May the 7th, I'm doing a very, very special one-time only live virtual online event. It's called Reinvent Live. I'm going to be teaching you the seven phases of how to reinvent yourself, how to let go of the past, connect with your authentic power, and share your gifts with the world and have impact. It's going to be a really powerful three-hour deep dive, immersive transformational virtual seminar, if you can make that. So simply, if you buy the book and pre-order the book by May the 3rd, 
or that week, uh, definitely by May the 5th, but definitely if you can by May the 3rd, then you just need to go to this website, www.kute, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N. So kuteblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. kuteblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. When you go there, you can just enter your receipt number from your paperback version into that website that will give you access to the free event on May the 7th, plus a whole bunch of other free gifts, free videos, meditations, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's one way that you can get the book, get the paperback version. If you want to know more about my work, just kooplaxon.com for those that may want to take a deep dive and transform themselves from the inside out twice a year. I do a really powerful event, 12-day event in Bali called Boundless Bliss. The next one is July the 25th, one in December, www.boundlessblissbali.com. You can find out about that on the website and Instagram and Facebook. Say hello. <laughs> and we'll have all of this in the, uh, the show notes so that you won't, uh, you won't miss anything. That's wonderful. Well, consider yourself hugged, my dear. And um, for everybody else, um, I'm so sorry that that we have to end this, but we will, of course, have Coot back back again. This is going to be something I think we'll have to do every so often, just to remind everyone about how wonderful you are. Uh, And and everyone, this has been Roberta Grimes once again, and we've come to the end of our time. Please never forget, my dears, that you are, you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you fully grasp what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest for the fifth time will be a real crowd favorite here, too, Father Nathan Castle. Who would have dreamed that a Catholic priest, still under orders, still a priest, would be allowed by his superiors to do spirit rescue work? And then to come on a radio program like stories about his encounters with spirits who have gone off track and his efforts to rescue them and send them on their way into the afterlife. And today we've been talking with the wonderful and fascinating Coot Blackson. Don't you love him? He's been with us for the second time. And of course, he also is a real crowd favorite here. We've been talking about his terrific book on the magic of surrender, finding the courage to let go. Kutz are pretty, he's had a pretty extraordinary life, even though he's still young. He was born in Ghana, West Africa, as the child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father. And he's an inspirational speaker who teaches authentic leadership and empowerment. He received the 2019 Walden Award in the New Thought Wisdom category that the Unity Organization awards once a year to recognize socially conscious leaders who are making the world a better place. And he says all he's trying to do is awaken and inspire across the planet to access their inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. He's someone who is also, as I say, a real audience favorite here. I heard from a lot of people afterwards, and he's a personal favorite of mine. I just love hearing the beautiful story of his Japanese mother's life. She has lived what he teaches before she even heard him speak. And she makes, frankly, hearing that story makes me think about my own mother's life, lived for others too. And my own, my life as a mother, I have three children and also grandchildren now. Being a mother and devoting ourselves to others, to rearing our children, to try to make them better people, maybe the highest calling of all. 
I urge you, frankly, to read The Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. I hear from people all the time who are looking for that book. They don't even know what they're looking for. The most important thing we all can do is to surrender to the, they say to the universe, I say, frankly, to the, to the consciousness that is all that really exists, to, to try to find the best path by surrendering to it, not by seeking anything, not by caring about our ego, but simply by letting go, by letting God, by letting love find the most important thing that we can do with our own lives. I share a lot of books so I can share them with you, but and, and I read many books, but please understand this is probably the only book that I, a year later all I had to do was was start reading my notes and I remembered the whole book. This is a book that stays in your mind and stays in your heart. And as you know, I've written a lot of books, but I don't have any time left to talk about them. If you want to talk about any of my books or about anything anything at all, go to contact Grimes.com, and I do answer every email. It can just take a little while at this point because I get so many. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being. And you in particular, most of all, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. 